Today's Binge Mode is brought to you by Brightly Burning. Alexa Dunn's lush and enthralling reimagining of the classic Jane Eyre set among the stars will seduce and beguile you. Ooh, read Brightly Burning. Entertainment Weekly calls it, quote, one of the most anticipated YA debuts of 2018, among others. Brightly Burning is, quote, a gripping examination of class, romance, and survival set in a dystopian future that feels chillingly relevant to our present times, according to Kirkus Reviews. Brightly Burning by Alexa Dunn. Available wherever books are sold. Binge Mode is also brought to you by... Binge Mode Merch! <laughs> yeah, merch! Guys, we have Binge Mode Harry Potter t-shirts on sale right now. Life doesn't have to be a struggle when you're a muggle. We know it's a drag when you're a nomad, but listen, you can blend right in at the Ministry of Magic with this brand new binge mode Harry Potter tea. Also, it's not that hard to break in there. <laughs> Don't get left behind on platform nine and three quarters because you waited too long to buy this limited edition t-shirt. You can pre-order your shirt now. Cast an Akio spell immediately, and this will be yours. Akio binge mode merch. Go to www.theringer.com shop. Pre-order your binge mode Harry Potter tea. That's www.theringer.com slash shop. Pre-order your binge mode shirt now. Warning. Binge mode contains adult content. Infinity War, the movie we'll be discussing today, contains a scene in which Scarlet Witch and the Vision, who is a robot man, are on a honeymoon of sorts in Scotland, where we presume uh, they've been doing stuff. So if that's not a thing you're into... Why are you even listening to this? It's kind of wild. Very AI ashy. Extremely AI ashy. Although Vision can do a lot more. One more warning. Yes. Binge mode contains spoilers. So if you have not seen Avenger Infinity War and you cannot tell us which part of the human anatomy Quill compares Thanos' chin to, it's the one you think. Please proceed with caution. And now binge mode. Tell me his name again Thanos. He's a plague, Tony. He invades planets. He takes what he wants. He wipes out half the population. He sent Loki. The attack on New York. That's him. This is it. What's our timeline? No telling. He has the power in space stones. That already makes him the strongest creature in the whole universe. If he gets his hands on all six stones, Tony. He could destroy life on a scale hitherto undreamt of. Welcome to Binge Mode. That's right. I'm Mallory Rubin, executive editor. Hello. Big <laughs> time in us all of a sudden. Make me blush. There it is. Of TheRinger.com, a truly great website. What a great website. It's an incredible website. <laughs> Joining me today, yeah. now that he's finally finished wandering the streets of Edinburgh, Ringer staff writer. Still. Your maester. Yes. Jason Concepcion. Mal, I just wanted some of those deep fried kebabs. I love that sign. It was like, we will fry your kebabs. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought you might be heading to the elephant house where JKR wrote some of Harry Potter. Ooh. Ooh. I also want to share some exciting news with our listeners. Yes. We'll be at Con of Thrones this May in Dallas. And yes, after yes. numerous howlers, so many howlers, yes. and howling and howling and howling, nonstop howling, <laughs> these freaking howlers, begging for answers. We have a date for Binge Mode Harry Potter. Binge Heads term begins June 11th. Yes. 
when it will be hot, but not the hottest, at which point we will begin exploring the entire Harry Potter universe. Be slightly less regular with Binge Mode Weekly between now and then, but stay subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And rate and review us, please. Five stars only. Keep an eye on our podcast feeds and our Twitter feeds for info on upcoming episodes, topics, and times. And speaking of Twitter, follow us on Twitter at binge underscore mode, a.k.a. the underscore, and join our Facebook group, which is just for Binge Mode fans, and which is a great way to keep up on the latest happenings on Titan. Not much actually happening on Titan. Looks really shitty there. Guys, this week on Binge Mode, if you haven't been able to figure it out to this point, we're hunting Horcruxes. Uh, (laughs) Excuse us, excuse us. We're hunting Infinity Stones. Again, requisite spoiler warning. As always, we will be going deep on details from Avengers Infinity War and the wider MCU and the wider comic book lore as well. So... Make sure your Infinity Gauntlet is on real tight. Whatever happens, don't let anybody take off the gauntlet. That's the only thing. It's all powerful, except don't let people get it off you. (laughs) That's the one thing you cannot let happen. Keep it on. Yes. Because it's time to head to Wakanda. Jason? Yes. For anyone who maybe hasn't seen the prior 18 films in the MCU... Can you clarify exactly what it is that these heroes do? Kick names and take ass in the words of Mantis. (laughs) Thank you, Mantis. All right. Well, maybe we can provide some specifics beyond that by offering up a brief-ish refresher on what actually happened in Avengers Infinity War by hopping in this pod with Thor and Groot and Teen Groot. Dear Sweet Rabbit, (laughs) take a quick trip down our very own King's Road, which is right on the way to Nidavellir. Thanos, the Mad Titan, the figure behind the Chitauri attack on New York City and numerous other events in the MCU, is searching the universe for the Infinity Stones. These six gems, immensely powerful on their own, when collected together, complete the Infinity Gauntlet, a Mm. weapon beyond comprehension. Thanos and his acolytes attack the Asgardian refugee fleet, as seen at the end of Thor Ragnarok, defeat Thor and the Hulk, kill Loki and Heimdall, shouts to those two and take the Space Stone, a.k.a. the Tesseract. Heimdall, with his dying breath before hopefully moving on to the James Bond set, (laughs) calls the Bifrost and transports the Hulk to Earth. He lands in the foyer of Doctor Strange's New York Sanctum and warns the Sorcerer Supreme that Thanos is coming. Thanos is coming. I love when Doctor Strange is like, who? Yeah, what? <laughs> we were just about to like go get bagels. What are you talking about? Yeah, sitting here talking about a tuna melt with yeah. Wong. What are you going on and on about? I know. Strange summons Tony Stark to discuss what to do next. Big problem. Sorry, Tony. We know you're out there and you're at leisure with Pepper talking about your dreams yeah. and your babies, but we've got work to do. Just then, two of Thanos' lieutenants, Ebony Maw and Cole Obsidian. Sure. Who names these guys? Attack New York City in search of the Time Stone, which Strange is just kind of like wearing around his neck. The Eye of Agamotto. The Eye of Agamotto protected. That's right. By spell. So, unable to take the pendant off Strange, Ebony Maw. Yeah. Gross head wound at this moment, by the way. Captures him whole. Yes. Levitation cloak and all. Takes him off into space. Iron Man, Spider-Man, unbeknownst to... Ebony Maw. Ebony Maw. 
go along for the ride in their new suits, fancy new suits. Everyone's looking great in this Everyone movie. Everyone is looking great. I agree with that. Ebony Maw, is Ebony Maw the one who is, you have the distinction of dying at the hand of Thanos, the Titan. Yes. Is that the guy? Okay. <laughs> in Scotland, Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive, two more of Thanos' lieutenants, ambush Wanda Maximoff and the Vision, who are just about to fry up some kebabs. <laughs> Everyone needs a little post-coitus snack. That's right. You know? Vision, you will recall, carries the Mind Stone on his forehead. With a timely assist from Captain America, Black Widow, and the Falcon, Thanos' minions are beaten back, but Vision is gravely injured. Cap and the group, after a brief stopover in New York, decide to take him to Wakanda for treatment. Shouts to Paul Bettany for getting a little non-CGI time he in got, this film, He got to be just himself. Really got to work it on the streets of Edinburgh. That's right. Meanwhile, the Guardians of the Galaxy rescue Thor from the wreckage of his ship. Thor... After some delightful banter, it must be said. <laughs> it's pretty good. Some actual Chris Wars. Some real actual Chris Wars. Leaves for Nita Valir to forge a new hammer, right. a new weapon. It ultimately ends up being an axe, not a hammer. Well, Stormbreaker. The end of Thor Ragnarok is Thor realizing that he doesn't need a weapon to focus his power because he is the god of thunder. Right. And then immediately he's like, you know what I could use? Actually, an axe would be good. <laughs> <laughs> that axe might be kind of cool. I know I don't need one, but what if I had one? What if I had one? What if I had one? Rocket, a.k.a. Rabbit. <laughs> rabbit. This is sweet, one of my, sweet rabbit. One of my favorite bits in the movie, yeah. which was very funny, yeah. was Thor calling Rocket Rabbit. Thor, Rocket Rabbit, and Groot head out in the pod, and the rest of the Guardians head to nowhere to try to stop Thanos from taking the reality stone from the Collector. Too late on that one, guys. Thanos already has the reality stone. He's been waiting there in nowhere. He ambushes the Guardians and takes his adopted daughter Gamora hostage. Quill, Drax, and Mantis head to Titan to rescue her. Meanwhile, Thanos ain't going there. He's going to Vormir. Yep. That's where Gamora tells him that the Soul Stone is being held. Despite none of the prior 18 movies telling us that. Right. You know who's there, too? Red Skull. Yeah. Guarding the Soul Stone. Why is he there? What's I, up, bud? I Missed actually ya. don't know. I gotta I gotta watch Captain America the First Avenger again and figure out how the hell the Red Skull got to Vormir. Anyway, Red Skull is like, hey, price for the Soul Stone is a soul. So Thanos takes Gamora, hurls her off a cliff. She dies. Yep. He takes the Soul Stone. Tough stuff. Bells. Bells for Gamora. Bells for Gamora. Oh, you know what? Better. We didn't say earlier. Bells for Loki. Bells for Loki. Bells for Heimdall. All these bells. People. Bells for Loki. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> On Titan, some of the Guardians, right. the Guardians who are there, meet Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and Spider Man. There's a delightful bit of brief confusion. Yeah, who, who are you? Oh, who are you? It's just, it's charming and wonderful. Ultimately, they figure out that they're on the same side and they hatch a plan. Whose plan it is? Ah, contentious issue. Quill yeah. is like, Iron Man, your plan's dumb. Let's do yeah. mine instead. But ultimately, their goal is the same. Separate Thanos from the Infinity Gauntlet. Right. And it almost works. It, only, it almost works. If they only had some butter or something. <laughs> like or some grease. Get that, slip it off. Quill freaks. Upon discovering that Thanos murdered Gamora, of course, he had previously had an agreement with Gamora that he would not let her be taken captive. And he did try to stop it, but reality stone bubblegum, you know, tough stuff. Very tough stuff. Very tough stuff, guys. Ruin the plan. Thanos defeats our heroes, Doctor Strange, who has surveyed more than 14 million futures in search of a way to thwart Thanos and spotted the one 
one where our dudes emerge victorious. It's the one where all these heroes existing in an IP is very important for (laughs) Disney and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. (laughs) Agrees to do the thing that he had previously told Tony he would never do. Hand over the time stone in exchange for Tony Stark's life. Now in possession of five of the six stones, Thanos leaves for Earth. Do you even need the Mind Stone after you have like, I I I, want to talk about this. I want to tell you. Space, power, time. What's the other one? Soul. Soul. That's reality. I want to talk about this. They spend so, the Avengers spend so much of the movie focusing on the Mind Stone. And obviously once that, which we'll get to in a moment, once Thanos has all six, he can literally just snap his fingers and half of existence melts away. out on mind. I guess that efficiency is appealing for him. But like on all sides, everyone's so focused on being a completionist. I know, man. Seems like having five, he'd still be able to do a lot of damage. Gamora should have told her teammates where the soul stone was, and then they could have gone and gotten it before Thanos. She's throwing that out there as an alternative. Choke job by Gamora. Thanos' forces lay siege to Wakanda. Black Panther, Cap, Black Widow, Bucky, Banner in Hulkbuster armor, Okoye and Mumbaku lead the Wakandan defense. The goal is to buy time for Shuri to separate Vision from the Mind Stone. Thor, wielding his new axe Stormbreaker, Groot and Rocket arrive on Earth just in time to turn the tide. The forces of Thanos are routed. And then Daddy arrives! Uh, Five of the six stones! I just need to take a moment to say that Chris Evans looks spectacular. I love the new aesthetic. The long Mm. hair, the beard, not wearing the bright red, white, and blue. You know, it's a different... He's got showing some forearm. Also, it's like kind of frayed. Like, it's messed up. Like, he can't get another one. You know, he's got to just use this one. He's been on the run. (laughs) I love it. In order to save the universe... Scarlet Witch has to kill her boyfriend. Tough stuff. (laughs) Destroys the Mind Stone, killing Viz. Dear sweet Viz. Yo, Vizzy. Unfortunately, Time Stone, guys. One of the five. Time Stone. So Thanos is just like, nah. Yeah, let's let's set this back five minutes. We're good. Prize the Mind Stone from Vision's head. And with the completed gauntlet, he defeats the Avengers. Thor's new axe in his chest. And he's like, yeah, should have gone for the head, bud. Snaps his finger. Half the population of the universe turns to literal dust. Yeah. Including Peter Parker. Tough stuff. That was sad. That's how you know it's fake. That was sad. (laughs) Black Black Panther. That's how you know it's fake. (laughs) They coming back. Falcon and many, many others. Bucky, my dear sweet Bucky. How will our heroes fight back? Tune in next spring. To find out. Mal, you have my respect. I hope the people of Earth will remember you. And that gets us to this episode's big idea. So let's cut right to the core of it by sticking it with the pointy end of Stormbreaker, Thor's new axe. The defining theme of Avengers Infinity War is sacrifice. Before we get too deep into that theme, let's just take a moment here. Did you like this movie? I did. I liked it a great deal. Listen, I am a unadulterated absolutely unabashed fan of these movies. I love these movies. I feel like I've been waiting my entire adult life to see these movies. Avengers, the the first Avengers movie is honestly one of my top three experiences in a movie theater. I saw it like in Times Square with a crowds going nuts, couldn't even hear what people were saying. And I just think it's an incredible achievement. You know, watching this movie, I was like, wow, this is exactly what a crossover comic book is like. It starts in media res with a bunch of stuff that you wouldn't really know 
what it was about unless you had picked up these other titles. There's a lot of references to things you may or may not know. It ends in a really weird way. And it's a lot like that. I'm not sure if this is an actual Stanley quote or if it's apocryphal, but Stanley had a quote saying that the Marvel style was the appearance of change without actual change. Mm. And that's kind of what this is. People decry these movies as having no stakes and it's kind of true, but that's what the comic milieu is. And just the fact that they were able to take this structure that has worked so well in comics for so long and imported into movies in a way that really changed the movie industry, I think is an incredible achievement. And I like the movie. I also really like the movie. I made a mistake by having a cup of iced coffee right before heading into the theater. So I really felt the length keenly. But other than that, I quite enjoyed it. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, and sure. people who listen to Binge Mode already know this, I liked, you know, Thor the Dark World. Yes. Like, I'm a really a wild, easy mark for these movies. Take. It's not bad. I like all of these movies. I do too. Even when they're bad, they're kind of good There's or There's not least a one fun. where I'm like, I won't watch this if I see it on cable. Right. And this felt like it recognized the high points of everything that had come before. I think the one thing that they probably just weren't able to essentially have the time to correct for was the immense earth-shattering popularity of Black Panther because I think everyone probably went in thinking that we were going to, obviously a huge, huge crucial set piece takes place in Wakanda, but the Black Panther cast doesn't get a ton of screen time, which was maybe a little surprising, but Ragnarok, the humor on the big picture... Sean Fantasy and David Shoemaker made a really great point about how Tony Stark is no longer the only character who gets to be quippy. Yeah. Everyone is funny now. Like the Guardian's DNA, the Ragnarok DNA felt so present in this movie in a way that even when literally half the characters you yes. care about are melting away before your eyes, you're still kind of like, man, those Ben and Jerry's jokes, they really landed, <laughs> Yeah, you know? And I think the other thing that was just so impressive about it, to your point about capturing the spirit of a true comic book mashup, was the balance. Because what is the potential risk with a story like this? It's that if you care about any one character, you're right. going to feel cheated. Those nebula stands out there like, 35 <laughs> seconds of nebula? Are you kidding me? <laughs> exactly. And you run the risk of all these separate groups of fans feeling like they got short shrift. But I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because I'm not so super firmly in one character's camp. I felt like the balance was pretty impeccable. Fitting, of course, given Thanos's balance first mantra. <laughs> right. But it just felt like right at the moment where you're like, all right, I've been with Star-Lord yeah. just long enough. They knew that. And the movie felt it. And you shifted to another cast. And the pairings, the chemistry of who the characters were with and all those pockets. It just felt like it really crackled and it just worked. And so the fact that everybody basically alive left the theater saying, well, all those people will come back. Yeah. Doesn't really matter to me. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the film can simultaneously stand on its own as an entertaining piece of culture and an achievement in the genre and also serve as a setup for the next film. You touch on something that's really interesting. I think is part of... The reason that people like these movies, you know, like when people talk about these movies, it's either to say, I love them or to kind of be mystified and decry their influence on the industry. There was a cool moment in my showing when Captain America first appears 
in Scotland, right? He's in shadow, and then he steps into the light, and you're like, oh, shit, it's Cap. You're like, oh, shit. That, and the audience that beer was like, is yeah! working! And it's, it's a really cool moment, and it's something that you just don't experience in movies that much, where it's like, oh, my God, we're in Wakanda. I cannot believe we're back here. This is so great. And the audience responds. And I think that is... Part of the reason why these movies are so popular and people like them, it's not so much about the stakes, it's that here are these characters, here's this fight, this clash of good and evil, or I guess evil is strong, but you know, like a pretty unambiguous fight between the forces of good and some force that wants to destroy Earth in some way that is perhaps not definitionally evil, but certainly bent on massive destruction. And you just know the good guys are going to win. And part of the fun is that journey and reuniting with these characters that you love and just spending time with them. And I think that's part of the reason why these these movies are so popular. It's just fun to spend time with these characters that are really cultural touchstones. I totally agree. I think the other achievement is just that so much of the run-up to the film was centered on the question, who will die? Like, there was going to be this one death that Half the universe. Yeah. And a lot of that energy was focused on... Iron Man and Captain America, and particularly Captain America. Yeah. Like, barely in the movie. This barely, was really barely, the barely Thor the and Guardians movie, yeah. and obviously it's a showcase for Spider-Man as, like, the next big thing, along with, obviously, Black Panther in the MCU. And that was surprising in a way that was really pretty pleasant and fun. Like, I like the idea that they're not going to be so rigid and say just because Iron Man started this, he has to continue it forever. Like, change. You can simultaneously have what you were just explaining, which is on some level in the back of your brain, in the core of your gut, the comfort that things are going to work out the way you know that they're supposed to, the way that you're expecting, and also be surprised along the way. And what you said about stakes is interesting because I think two things can be true. One... Maybe all these people will come back and we will all say- Some of them will. Yeah. Here's my prediction. All the people who melted away will come back. back, And then a couple people who didn't will actually die. Though we should talk about Loki and Gamora because they were not a part of the dust melt. That potential Doctor Strange, one future outcome, time stone, quantum realm, microverse, wherever we go with it, Captain Marvel, we'll talk more about that stuff later. Whatever the actual out is that brings these people back- I still think you can say that even if the stakes of their ultimate fate is not what you thought it was when you were watching this movie, that there are still stakes separate of that, which is the ideas that the film explores. Right. Sacrifice. Force of will. Mm. What somebody's life means. The choices that every person in the world, but particularly people who deign to stand for other people and to say, I am your protector, I am your savior— What is the cost of the choices they make, both for themselves and for everybody else? Let's start with the purple... Thick Daddy himself. (laughs) The purple ball section guy. Thick Daddy. Thanos. Do you think Thanos is hot? Actually, before we get to it, let's do a little sidebar. I love this debate popping off on the internet right now. An incredible thing happening online right now. (laughs) Is Thanos hot? Is Thanos thick? I would just say (laughs) this, I first became aware of this kind of dynamic of like, is this CGI... Slash animated character hot in a way that goes beyond the kind of normal like banter. It actually penetrates culture in an interesting way with Prince Sidon from Breath of the Wild, who is a shark. When a critical mass of people okay. felt like reached the, the <laughs> Prince Sidon quests, all of a sudden people were like, hold on, am I in love with this shark? 
<laughs> Am I thirsting over this shark prince? Am I suddenly in the shape of water? Right. Does this shark have two penises? That's something that people... And but I think seriously, that, how does the pouch open? I'm we saying, never got the clarity we needed. And now we're doing the same thing with Thanos. Is Thanos hot? Is he thick? I do not personally find him hot. <laughs> Why he's, not? I don't just, he's The like, ball sack chin doesn't do it for you? Yeah, the chin is a weird vibe. Very scroll-like. The purple thing I'm fine with. The face, I can't get over the fact that he does look like that like Vegas pawn show guy. Pawn stars. He looks like the pawn stars guy. See, my thing is, he's super well built. He looks like he's painted himself for a raven's tailgate. Yeah. And he's carrying rock candy on his hand. I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> he's carrying rock candy on his head. <laughs> it's like his hands are weird proportion to the rest of them. It's, I, I, you know, like live and let live. That's all I mean. <laughs> All right. Thanos. So his philosophy is balance. Great note from Isaac What's here. going on right now? Right. The Malthusian trap, which is kind of a discredited theory of population control, population control which is not really an issue right now so much as anyway. Thanos' thing was the universe is getting too populated. Everything's too great. Maybe a lot of it has to do with the fact that these superpowered heroes on Earth have turned back numerous genocides. And so there's like billions of souls that haven't been reaped. He's caring a lot from seeing what happened to Titan, his own planet. Yes. Where population got out of hand and then everything turned to shit. Right. And so he's thinking like, what about the universe? First of all, is there not enough space in the universe for people to spread out? I, I'm not sure that Thanos really has this thought this you through. You got to go all the way to 50% right away. <laughs> I haven't thought this all the way through, but his thing is, yeah, we got to balance it. We got to make sure that there's enough, that we take enough life out of the universe so that the life that lives can thrive. And Gamora argues with him about this. She says, you murdered half the planet. Thanos, a small price to pay for salvation. Gamora, you're insane. Thanos, little one, it's a simple calculus. This universe has finite resources, finite if life is left unchecked, life will cease to exist. I'm not sure that this is correct, Thanos, but continue. It needs correcting. Gamora, you don't know that, Thanos. I'm the only one who knows that. At least I'm the only one who will act on it. So this guy, yeah. before we even get to what happens with Gamora, someone he actually cares about, yeah. he's willing, not only willing, eager to sacrifice literally half of existence. The universe. Well, the sentient life forms. Right. So like dogs and cats and frogs and squirrels will be fine. I'm just I don't saying, like the implication there. I'm just saying. My cat is smarter than a lot of people Well, I the know. cat, I'm just saying. A lot of people According to Thanos' own definition of what he's trying to do, this is my read on it. We got to talk to old testicle chin about this, but I believe that's my read on it. <laughs> old testy chin. Thanos, crucially and like so many effective villains, and he certainly is an effective villain in this film. By the way, when we're talking about the film's achievements, that is chief among them after an yeah. entire year of him being a meme and a punchline yeah. online, he actually carries the entire movie. Like every effective villain, he thinks fully and completely that he is in the right. 100%. And that That's the only way not only is his way. intention yes. correct, but his methods are beyond reproach. He doesn't want to hear your notes on how he's going about this. He believes fully in what he is pursuing. This is is actually an important distinction between him and some of the Avengers because they have a fundamental right. strength of intention, which is we want to protect. But they have a lot of disagreement both with each other and internally about how they want to go about that. That's why there's a movie in this franchise called Civil War. Yes. The Sokovia Accords brought a lot of 
dissent and discontent into this group where the Captain America faction and the Iron Man faction split because they could not agree fundamentally on whether to allow government regulation, whether they needed it, whether they should support it, how to go about their business. Right. Well, when you're comparing that and these people who were like spread out across the world, there are a lot of good jokes about how they haven't been keeping in touch. Got to yeah. call up Steve Rogers on your flip phone. Right. Is he still programmed into your contact? Yeah, it's been so long since you talked. Hulk finds out that the Avengers broke up and he's like, what, like the Beatles? Right. What? Thor has the great line about how Kevin Bacon, he might be, I don't yeah. know. You yeah. know. None of them even know what the other person is up to anymore. <laughs> They're not even on the same page with each other let alone like finding this own total clarity and strength of their own convictions. Compare that to Thanos, who's not going to let anything, including his like one genuine attachment to another person, stand in his way. Well, that's a pretty formidable difference in strategy and approach. So let's contrast Thanos's Malthusian philosophy with that of the Avengers and our heroes. Over the course of the film, there is a, a lot of debate about what do we do about Vision? Vision has- Viz? Viz. Viz? Vizzy. <laughs> This V, V-Man, Victor. No, that's not anything. He has the Mind Stone, of course, melded to his head. It does something that no one is really sure what it does because his personality is an amalgam of various AIs that Tony made and also Tony's personality and then something of the Mind Stone. That nobody's really sure what will happen if they take it out. And So it's like Alexa and the Google Assistant yes. all in one. And nobody's really Echo. sure how to take it out. But in order to save the universe, they have to destroy this stone. So there's just a lot of debate about, okay, what do we do? Do we destroy it? But then it kills Vision. And then various times throughout the film, Captain America, among others, say we don't trade lives. And that, if there's one thing that separates the heroes from the villains in this movie, it's our heroes won't trade an innocent life in order to stop the genocide of half the universe. So let me let me throw this out there. Yeah. That's the wrong call. I agree. <laughs> Personally, I agree. And nothing against, listen, I respect all forms of artificial life. Viz, I got you, my guy. That said, like, if it's between me and 50% of the galaxy and the universe and, like, robot guy over here, tough call, but he got to go. It did feel keenly like we had fallen into a late season Black Mirror episode yeah. where we were really forced to consider whether AI was actual life. Okay, we can debate whether Scarlet Witch and the fellow Avengers should have weighed the factors differently and ultimately made a different call. Yeah. Ultimately, Vision. He's the guy. Viz, he steps up. But he didn't try hard enough. He was kind of like... He's trying to get it in one more he's time. He's like, you got to do it. He's like, listen. Eliminating the stone is the only way to be certain Thanos can't get it. And Wanda's like, that's too high a price. And he says, only you have the power to pay it. That's... A little too sweet and sexy when you're trying to convince your girlfriend to off you? Couldn't you just be like, hey, zap my stone really hard because it'll fix everything. You just lie to her. No, 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 no. Truth is foundational. That's right. In a relationship, in life, certainly for the Avengers. Can't lie. But I just think that a lot of this could have been avoided. Right. Again, to return to an earlier point, things would still be pretty bad even if they had gotten rid of the Mind Stone. Thanos having five of these is not a great outcome. There's really no amount that he can have that's good. Correct. But if ultimately the obsession is we cannot let him get six, we cannot let him get to the point where he can literally snap his fingers and erase half of existence, sentient existence, as you clarified, then don't leave that option on the table. 
Just period. Don't leave that option on the table. And the contrast between Thanos's willingness, gross and unsavory though it is, to do what he thinks is necessary, and the Avengers' ultimate sentimentality yeah. is why the movie ended the way that it did. I agree. Now, so Vision and the Scarlet Witch, they're a long-running couple in the comics Various storylines touch on their relationship. There's a bunch of crossovers that deal with stuff that have to do with their relationship, including Avengers Disassembled and House of M. They don't really do anything much with setting up that relationship before all of a sudden they're just like out and about. Right. I mean, we get frying kebabs on the street. (sighs) Love a fried kebab. Their relationship starts to develop. We get some of it in Civil War. Hi, Matt. But it's a lot to ask the movie-going audience. Don't want to knock how important this romance might be in the comics, but the movie-going audience specifically to allow the fate of the universe to hinge on Scarlet Witch and Vision's Edinburgh fucking... Tough stuff. ...is a lot. (laughs) It really is a lot. There's a great moment in one of the Ultimates where Scarlet Witch is one of the characters and Vision doesn't really super exist yet. But like there's just a moment where Scarlet Witch is talking to a robot and Quicksilver, her brother, comes up and is like, were you just flirting with that robot? And she's like, what? No, what? And then she's like, I'll talk to you later. And it's just like a robot, though. It's not Vision yet. It's like a robot. Listen, I respect her and her choices, except for the choice when she waited as long as she did to try to get the Mind Stone out of Vision's head. So here's the other thing, though. It's not just Scarlet Witch. Like, Captain America, Steve Rogers, makes a decision to bring all of this to Wakanda. He takes the war to Wakanda. You cannot rationalize that decision and say... Well, maybe he thought that Thanos wouldn't show up and try to get the stone. Everybody knows what's happening. Everybody knows what the stakes are. This is why they're fighting in the first place. Thanos is trying to get all the stones. You guys have one. Protect it. But what does protecting it mean? They won't sacrifice Vision, but they will sacrifice an entire entire place and an entire entire people. Who, by the way, just opened up. Yeah. To the rest of the world. Welcome. Yikes. There's a great line by Inkoye where she's like, uh, when you were talking about opening up Wakanda to the rest of the world, I thought you meant maybe like a Starbucks or the something. The Olympics? The Olympics. <laughs> or so let's compare this to Thanos again yeah. because snap your fingers, the people you vanish, you don't really know who they are. Right. That's part of his creed. That's part of what he likes to talk about is right. I'm actually not picking certain people. Right. I let the algorithm figure it out. <laughs> I work at X Capital, and yeah. Taylor Mason's algorithm told me right. that these are the ones who are supposed to go. What happens when the calculus that he's faced with suddenly has a more human face, suddenly has emotional stakes for him? Gamora. Yeah. Sweet little Gamora. Little one. By the way, who he plucked from a planet whose population he was killing. Right. En masse. Tough flashback. <laughs> Very tough, tough Flashback. Where we see that he, in essence, distracts her from the carnage with a like weapon. a pocket knife. Double-sided knife that he's giving yeah. her. And a speech about balance. Balance. This theme of balance. And this theme of sacrifice. So, turns out, after all this time, Gamora knows where the Soul Stone was. Right. One of the primary bits of narrative and dialogue heading into this movie was a lot of us, we talked about it on this podcast, yeah. is a Soul Stone in Wakanda? Right. Is that I thought it was. fueling the magic yeah. of Wakanda? Guys, no. It nope. turns out... It's on that planet that has literally never been mentioned before. Vormir, guys. Oh, Vormir! 
And Gamora begs Quill not to let her fall into Thanos' hands because she knows that he will extract this information from her no matter the cost. Quill, this question of will he be willing to do what is necessary? Will he be able to sacrifice Gamora, who he loves, in order to prevent this information from falling into Thanos' hands? I thought that was a good moment because we actually, I don't think as a viewer, you really ever believe that he will do it. Right. He's the goofy, lovable buffoon who doesn't always have the strength and the fortitude to make the tough decision. But in that moment, looking into her eyes, he he actually does. He pulls the trigger and, ah, reality stone, got you, turns to bubbles, can't do it. Thanos wins again, further proof that, like, he's got all these other stones already, guys. You're kind of fucked already. So... Thanos and Gamora, they go off to Vormir. Vormir. Hanging out with Red Skull. Why is he there again? Stonekeeper. I, I promise, listeners. Stonekeeper. Uh, I will look back on Captain America, First Avenger, and try and figure out why the Red Skull is on Vormir. Someone's got to be Stonekeeper, yeah. I guess. And Gamora thinks that she has triumphed because the Stonekeeper, Red Skull, explains that there is a cost right. for those who seek this Infinity Stone, the Soul Stone. And she turns to dad, dear old dad, and says, all my life I dreamed of a day, a moment, when you got what you deserved. And I was always so disappointed. But now you kill and torture and you call it mercy. And the universe has judged you. You asked it for a prize and it told you no. You failed. And do you want to know why? Because you love nothing. No one. And then what's Thanos doing? He's crying. 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 Why? Because he does love one thing. And the fact that Gamora can't figure it out for this long is really wild. But it's Gamora, his beloved adopted daughter. And Red Skull says, they are not for him. Because Red Skull, remember, a Nazi. They are not for him. And Gamora says, now realizing what's going on, says, no, this isn't love. And Thanos says, I ignored my destiny once. I cannot do that again, even for you. I am sorry, Gamora. And he picks her up, hurls her off a cliff. Her body broken lies at the bottom of this cavern. and then Pretty the, graphic. There was a decent amount of blood and brains it splattered was on those rocks. Pretty gross. Why can't he just bring her back, right? Reality? Can't he just be like, she's back. Boom. Wow. Incredible stuff by me with my infinity gauntlet. Five of the six stones. I just brought my daughter back. I guess that's, you can't do it. Well, when trade would get vetoed, (laughs) trade would get vetoed by like the cosmic commissioner. No, you cannot (laughs) sacrifice your daughter, then bring her back with the infinity gauntlet. Maybe if he did it, he would lose the soul stone again. How does the magic work? Okay, so try it once and then kill her again. Is it like. Is it sort of like possession of the Elder Wand? Yeah, it's it's like, how does Wand lore and infinity stone lore work? You know, and Thanos is having a chat with Doctor Strange and the homies on Titan. And Doctor Strange, you know, he's he's an intellectual. He is. So he wants to to understand. Credit to Doctor Strange. He does at least try to understand. I'm in on Doctor Strange. I like Doctor Strange. I'm in on Doctor Strange. I've always been a fan of his character. I like him. I I like a wizard. That's just me. You've always been a Cumberbitch. Yeah. My God. That's actually not true. I'm kind of mildly out on Cumberbatch, but I like Doctor Strange. That's all. Cumberbatch is very extremely one note for me. It's like very British man carrying a lump of coal in his butt cheeks. I'd just like to be clear that British man carrying a lump of coal in his butt cheeks is the only note I need. (laughs) If you're going to be one note. And Doctor Strange, he's... Trying to understand why Thanos thinks this way. And he says, congratulations, you're a prophet. And Thanos says, I'm a survivor. Doctor Strange, who wants to murder trillions? And Thanos says, with all the six stones, I can simply snap my fingers. They will all cease to exist. 
I call that mercy. Dr. Strange says, then what? Thanos, I finally rest. Watch the sunrise on an ungrateful universe. The hardest choices require the strongest will. I like moments like this where our villains are inadvertently arming our heroes with the clarity that they need. Hearing that matters for Doctor Strange because, again, he went into this saying, I have one priority here. It's not the Avengers. It's not what you guys are doing here and Quill's dick measuring contest with Tony Stark. It's to protect the time stone, my sanctum, my job, my responsibility. If it's your life or the kids, I'm picking the stone. And then he completely changes his mind. That moment plays into that. The hardest choices require the strongest will. Apparently, they also require assessing 14 million potential future outcomes. But Doctor Strange ends up having more force of will than a lot of the other Avengers who aren't willing to make a choice. Handing over the Time Stone, that's as much of a sacrifice as handing over any person. Oh, yeah. Not only that, but he loses like a large portion of his abilities with the Eye of Agamotto out of his control. It's interesting because this is really this kind of like, what will you sacrifice? How strong is your will to do what has to be done? It's a pretty timeless theme. You go back to the the Bible is half stories like this about like the binding of Isaac. Abraham ordered by God to sacrifice his son Isaac and he's going to do it. And then God's like, oh, <laughs> it was a joke. Sacrificing Isaac sounds like every binge mode meeting. Uh-oh. You know what I mean? I see. <laughs> Come to the cliff. <laughs> and Dr. Strange says to Thanos, spare his life and I'll give you the stone. And then later after Thanos has, has left and the heroes are debriefing on what went wrong. Yeah. Or did it go wrong? (laughs) Did it. And Tony says, why did you do that? And Doctor Strange says, we're in the end game now. And I hear this in Tyrion's, you're in the great game now. (laughs) Voice, certainly. Tony, there was no other way. So, again, Strange, one of the few characters in this movie where you can actually step back, reflect on the choices he made and say, he made an intentional choice. He made a deliberate sacrifice, something he did not want to give up. He gave up because... It's the only way. It's the only way. And sometimes the only way is the only way. Let's talk about, for a second, Peter Quill, who needs to freaking chill out, my guy. How about everyone in this movie with him telling him he needs to freaking lose weight? What was up with that? I mean, I think that's a tough note from Marvel production. (laughs) Because remember in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, the whole thing was about his ass. The whole thing is like, yo, Chris Pratt got in shape. He yeah. cut the carbs. He was working with like Navy SEALs in the kill house, like eight hours a day, like eating nine almonds for dinner. And look at how cut this guy is. They gave him the cheesecake shot. And then all of a sudden it's like he kind of fattened up. And I kind of feel like this is Marvel. This is Kevin Feige being like, listen, it's in your contract. If you don't tighten up, we get to roast you in the movie. He actually looked fine. But it's, you know, when you're next to a Hemsworth, it's tough. Very tough. Okay, so Iron Man and Peter Parker are trying to rip the the Infinity Gauntlet off of Thanos' left hand. Mantis is struggling to keep his consciousness under control so they can do that. And while this is all going on, Quill comes up like, hey, what's up? Look at you now. Where's Gamora? And then, you know, Thanos, not fully in control of himself, lets slip that she's dead. Well, Mantis is like Ma- reading Mantis his emotions reading it. his grief. He's in his grief. Mourning. He's in immense pain, emotional pain. He's in mourning. He's trying to figure out how he's going to be in two Marvel movies at once. <laughs> and Quill puts two and two together and is like, decides I'm going to shoot Thanos, which is like, first of all, 
shoot Thanos. Great. Do it. Can you wait till we get the freaking all-powerful super weapon off of his hand Spider-Man is so close. Yeah, they're literally going, we always got it off. Everyone on the team is following instructions. Everyone's sticking to the playbook. Oh, my God. Except the guy who wrote it. Wait until the glove is off, and then when the glove is off, shoot the guy. Great. No one is saying don't shoot the guy. We're just saying don't shoot him the second when he still has the super weapon. If it's it's that much of a super weapon, should it be able to be just ripped off your hand? Well, I mean, this is the one weakness of the super weapon, yeah. Also, like, Iron Man can put, like, he shot that little weird blockage thing onto it. But Thanos, like, just ripped that off. And Spider-Man put the webbing on. But it did momentarily stop him from using it because you have to be able to move the glove around. Anyway, Quill, you're a freaking idiot. I just love that it's like, whose plan do you want to use? Peter Quill, a guy who is, like, really good at flying a spaceship and listening to 80s music or, like, literally the genius? (laughs) (laughs) The billionaire genius. Which one of these guys do you want to go with? You know, Quill is blinded by his emotions. And emotions, relationships, whether it's a romantic relationship or, say, a complicated relationship with the brother. Yeah. That's what fuels this story. And we got, before Loki left us, maybe forever— Maybe not. Maybe As not. Thor said, he's been dead before. <laughs> we got some great Loki Thor in this yeah. film. And Loki expires quite quickly. Thanos, while he's strangling Loki, says, no resurrections this time. Which I would like to offer up has to be a wink-wink meta nod to the He'll audience that everyone on. is coming back. And then... As Loki is expiring, one of the things he says to Thor is, I assure you, brother, the sun will shine on us again. That's beautiful. I think he's going to be back. He's going to be back. And by the way, like great final redemption of Loki, who should be noted, killed untold thousands in New York City in Avengers 1. (laughs) Used to work for this guy. (laughs) Used to work for him. Caused billions of dollars in destruction and cost the lives of an untold number of New Yorkers. Now is a good guy and, you know, tries in his final moments to shank Thanos in the neck. It's an interesting place to be where you're forced to consider whether Loki actually understands the nature of sacrifice better than the bulk of the Avengers. Great point. He ultimately was willing. I mean, sure. He would have rather not died. He's Loki. He's been dead before, though. But he puts himself in this position with his, we've got the Hulk moment. Right. And his shenanigans, right till the bitter end, puts himself in a position where he can be taken out because he he understands that there is something more important than his own agenda. And it's stopping this guy. How to stop this guy? Well, sometimes it's going to require the loss of life. What if the Avengers were willing to see things that clearly? Well, what about Thor? This is love my guy Thor. Really, ways, peak right now. Yeah, Thor's movie. I agree with that. By the way, that's a good take. Ragnarok was awesome, and it's like who would have guessed that three movies into Thor, you'd be like, oh wait a second, Thor's great, right? Did you think of Mad-Eye Moody when <laughs> Dear Sweet Rabbit gave him an eye to pop in and he had that great moment where he's like, I want to wash that yeah, first. I, I, I would definitely want to wash that. My ass. <laughs> I will say like he's an Asgardian god. He's fine. He's not susceptible to bacteria in the same way as everybody else. <laughs> Still a little Purell just yeah, to be little, safe. Yeah, a Clorox wipe? Spit on it at least. Something. 
Thor says, you know, I'm 1,500 years old. I've killed twice as many enemies as that, and every one of them would rather have killed me than not succeeded. I'm only alive because fate wants me alive. Thanos is just the latest of a long line of bastards. 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 And he'll be the latest to feel my vengeance. Fate wills it so. And then there's this great little (laughs) aside where Rocket Raccoon's like, what if you're wrong? And Thor says, well, if I'm wrong, then what more could I lose? And Rocket's like, well, I could lose a lot. Me personally, I could lose a lot. And it plays for comedy, but it's actually an effective reminder that Rocket doesn't want to sacrifice his life. A lot of these heroes don't actually want to sacrifice or aren't willing to see clearly what the sacrifice might bring them. That Thor line about fate wills it so is worth thinking about for a minute because sacrifice is not fate. Sacrifice is a choice. That's the nature of the thing. (laughs) Exactly. So Thor has made that kind of choice before. You know, Ragnarok ends with Thor letting Asgard burn because he realizes and accepts through Odin's council and other council that Asgard isn't a place. It's a people. And so what choice did he have to make there? Sacrifice the place for the people. We know that Thor is capable of that kind of calculus, but here he's right back to where he was before. It's almost like he's advancing as a compelling hero, but he's regressing a little bit in his thinking. I do need my hammer. I do need my super weapon. Well, sure, I could think about what I could gain if I'm willing to lose something, but what if I just go back to thinking fate wills it so? I'm going to be the victor, and if not, I'll die, and that's how it is. Where was the progress that we had seen from him before? And again, I thought that he was the most enjoyable character in the movie. I loved everything about his arc. But in terms of that internal calculus about the nature of sacrifice and what you have to give up to gain something... We saw more from him in Ragnarok than we did here. Do you think that's fair to say? I do think it's fair to say. You had an interesting choice by the the Marvel Cinematic Universe people. There are a lot of things in this that, much like in the comics, you could kind of like define as a reach in the sense that, oh, we've done this so many times. The Hulk has in the last moments changed. So what if he can't change? And what if Thor, you know, a thing that's happened numerous times in the comics is Thor losing his hammer. What always happens when Thor loses his hammer? He's got to get it back. He's got to get something back. Thor losing his power has happened numerous times. Banner not being able to change the Hulk. Banner being separated from the Hulk. Banner, the consciousness, being in control of the Hulk. These are all like little things that are getting thrown into the MCU now much in the same way that they get thrown into comics. Just ways of mixing it up, of simulating change while they're not really being change on a fundamental level. I enjoyed all of the Hulk erectile dysfunction subtext. Performance anxiety in this movie. I just need to think about something. And now, a word from our sponsor. Today's binge mode is brought to you by Heinz. Since 1901. That's right. Haynes has always been innovating. Like Tony Stark, and it's no wonder they are America's number one brand of underwear. They just made it more comfortable. The Comfort Flex Fit underwear is the latest innovation in comfort from Haynes. Comfort Flex Fit is cool, comfortable, supportive. It's so comfortable, you'll forget you're wearing it. You'll forget. What am I wearing? How did they do this? With a breathable pouch for support and a roomy fit. Not to mention, these boxer briefs are incredibly mm, incredible. soft. And the legs, 
won't ride up. Thank God. You want to replace all your underwear after you try them. With nearly universal five-star reviews. Across the universe. Much like Avengers Infinity War. Everyone is obsessed. These guys really know how to make underwear. And it won't break the bank. You don't need six Infinity Stones. You can get a pack of three for just 15 Three stones? For 15? <laughs> Less than it. half of what you pay for a single pair of crazy expensive designer underwear. I wear Hanes underwear. I do because they sent me a pack. And let me tell you something. I love them. I think they're incredible. Give them a try at Hanes.com or wherever you buy Hanes. Binge Mode is also brought to you by Sonos. When I was watching Ragnarok and Doctor Strange and various other installments from the MCU over the weekend to make sure I was staying fresh ahead of Infinity War, I heard that sound crisp and clear. It felt like Thor's hammer was banging in my eardrums, but in a good way, thanks to Sonos. I enjoy my Sonos as well. Listen, they sent me one. I love it. My video games sound great on it. Sonos is offering the listeners of Binge Mode 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Use the promo code BINGE10, capital B-I-N-G-E, one, zero, at Sonos.com to receive this offer. And now... Back to binge mode. Yeah. Jason? Yeah. Some people, like Sean Fennessy's 14-year-old sister, left the theater despondent. Uh-oh. Many others left quoting Thanos' words to themselves for comfort. All that just for a drop of blood? Yes, Infinity War ends with a bloodbath. More accurately, maybe a confetti a dust, bath. dust bath. But the popular consensus seems to be that it'll all actually wind up being for just a drop of blood in the end. I agree with that. When most of these characters will come back to life. Ah, but how? Well, give us some guidance there. Please assemble the Conclave and head to the Citadel in Doctor Strange's New York Sanctum to teach us everything we need to know about how the Avengers who turned to dust might come back to life. What happens when your heroes disappear? What happens to the world, to the galaxy? My God, what happens to the IP? <laughs> Dear God. Infinity War is largely based on the 1991 Marvel Comics crossover event, Infinity Gauntlet. Shouts to the Ron Lim and Jim Starlin heads out there. In which Thanos, the Mad Titan, in possession of said weapon, trounces Earth and space and the cosmos' as heroes, then deletes half the population of the universe. But... An object of such reality-altering power can also reverse that which it wrought in an upset, really to end all upsets, Nebula, who Thanos was keeping in this really decrepit state of not life but not death in order to impress his wannabe girlfriend death. That's the other thing. That's a change from the comics. In the comics, the reason that Thanos wants to kill everyone, wants to get the Infinity Gauntlet, all that stuff, is because he's like thirsting after death. He wants to be in a relationship with death. And Death is like, nah, I'm not interested in you, guy. And he's like, what if I do this? What if I kill everyone? Mm. Would that impress you? No. What if I take my adopted daughter and then like put her in this weird state between death and life? Does that do anything for me? No. What if I fight all the heroes? Nah. Anyway. So it's so- all just a courtship strategy? <laughs> yes. Remember how at the end of the first Avengers, the post credit scene when the minion of Thanos says, as he's about to be revealed, says, they are mighty. Mm-hmm. You know, the heroes 
to fight them would be to court death. Oh. That was the hint oh. that, ah, this is this is Thanos. And they didn't obviously go with the courting death part of it, but still. Hmm. Anyway, so there you go. Nebula grabs the glove off him while Thanos is fighting literally celestials, which are like the pre, 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 pre-gods before time and like eternity and love and hate and all these like celestial beings. While he's distracted with that, Nebula grabs the gauntlet. She dons it, becomes all-powerful, and then turns time back for 24 hours across the universe, thus bringing our heroes and everyone else back to existence. And then the heroes have to fight her, but it's somewhat easier because she's not used to wielding the power. In 2015's Secret Wars, Jonathan Hickman, his influence is really growing in the MCU at the moment. And Secret War, by the way, has a lot of elements that you see in Infinity War now. So in Secret War, Doctor Doom acquires the power of the Beyonders, who are these all-powerful beings in the universe, when an event called an incursion causes the universes of the multiverse to collapse upon themselves. Our heroes survive, but as alternate versions of themselves living in a strange battle world ruled over by an all-powerful Doctor Doom, Black Panther finds the Infinity Gauntlet, fights Doom, and Doom is eventually defeated by Molecule Man, which is another weird choice, but Panther then restores reality using the reality gem. So I think... That's one thing we're going to see. Here's another example. 2005's House of M, Scarlet Witch, increasingly unstable after the dissolution of the Avengers, kind of inadvertently creates a reality in which mutants inhabit the top rungs of society, and below mutants are certain, quote, sapiens with powers, like Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, who I'll mention in a minute, Spider-Man, etc. And then there are the non-powered humans who live on the margins, essentially everyone. Basically, society has been flipped upside down. The world has changed back, sort of, when Wanda utters no more mutants, thus basically placing the world back the way it was, except for the fact that a vast majority of the mutants now no longer have powers. Mutants are just gone. Quick hit on Captain Marvel, the recipient of Nick Fury's emergency page. He's paging her? Listen. He's paging? He's using a page? We have flip phones and pagers Some people still like beepers. I'm just saying, like, (laughs) Tony Stark is wearing nano suits, like wearing Jinko jeans that turn into, like, a nano suit. And you like got that nice color display. <laughs> Nick on this Fury's page, out though. here with like a Nextel. <laughs> anyway, Carol Danvers, aka Captain Marvel, is a former Air Force officer, CIA agent, and astronaut. Wow, that's a CV. Show off. She gains the powers of the Kree warrior Captain Marvel in an explosion, which is really just like a short hand way of saying a lot of weird stuff happens. She gets the powers of Captain Marvel. Also, her mind melds with Rogue for a time. Anyway, she wields the powers of Captain Marvel, which include flight and ability to kind of absorb energy and release energy. And also she's immensely strong and also extremely capable, as we said, a military officer and an astronaut. So that's who's apparently coming to save the day. A couple questions for you. Sure. Mr. Comic Book Expert. All right. So this movie came out late last week over the weekend, right? Wide release. Bazillion people saw it. Shattered box office records. And then Monday, instead of riding this wave for a little longer, right away, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Can't wait. Poster. So the stinger of the movie is Captain Marvel. Right. They're starting to market Ant-Man and the Wasp. Microverse? Quantum Realm? What sort of microverse does time matter how does time function shenanigans in that story might help the avengers in infinity war part two or whatever they're gonna call it i have no idea i'll be straight up that said 
I'm really fascinated to find out because the microverse is definitely one of those places, much like the negative zone and all those other planes of existence within the Marvel universe and Marvel canon, that it's basically like they just make up whatever the rules are. Whatever goes in there is whatever they say. So I'm I'm really interested to see how this reacts to Infinity War. And is this, do Ant-Man and the Wasp exist in reality in which 50% of the population is gone? Like, I really want to know like how we right. react to that. It's going to be interesting. And then specifically with Doctor Strange and his choice, because again, I think this bears repeating, 14 million plus outcomes, he sees one and then changes his mind about how he's going to proceed, presumably because he knows he is sending everybody into that one outcome where he hands over the time stone. So how can the time stone get everybody out of this? Is that why he gave it to Thanos? Will he be able to control it? Is the mirror dimension a part of this? What part of the wizardry for the Sorcerer Supreme and the time stone could actually... Because he melted away. He was one of the people who melted away. Well, my read on it, in terms of like getting all the heroes back... Time stone and reality stone will do it. I mean, you could time stone and just be like, okay, let's go back to before this all happened. And you can use reality stone and just be like, okay, this is what the universe is now. Is everybody's back. What kind of permanence does the reality stone have? Because the way it was used in this movie. Right. It was a, more of an it illusion. It was more of a temporary illusion. Right. The reality stone can actually alter the fabric of reality if you choose to do that. Now, it takes like immense willpower. It's like an unforgivable curse. You have to mean it. I just think it would really, it would probably drive you insane. Imagine creating a table from your mind. Is it like Fine. putting the imperious curse on all of existence? Yeah, but it's it's more of like having to keep those details in your mind. Right. And then send them into the universe so that they come back in the way that you intend to so that they're real. I feel like you could use the reality stone to do it, but it would be extremely difficult. It would probably drive Thanos insane. So I think my reading on it is you would need the time stone to really do it. I think the reality stone, which is, it's too hard. Like no one has that kind of recall of what reality really is like on a granular and atomic level in order to bring all of that back. So all of that together boils down to Time Stone, Captain Marvel, and Ant-Man and the Wasp saving the day. Yeah, I believe that. Sorry for everyone who really likes all the main characters. Well, Captain Marvel has become increasingly important in the Marvel universe over the last few years. And like I said, I stand for Doctor Strange. Uh, She's probably the strongest female hero in the Marvel universe. I might need to look that up. That said, interesting thing to me is Captain Marvel is set in the 90s. So how does that tie up with Infinity War? So what people have been speculating is that we're going to get what is in essence an origin story slash prequel to establish that character and her powers. Mm. And then... She goes into space and there's some kind of space-time continuum thing and she's still young. Exactly. Jason? Yeah. When you said you were going to open up binge mode to the rest of the world, this isn't what I imagined. What did you imagine? The Olympics. Maybe even a Starbucks. Mm. Certainly a joint trip to the Sept. I hear there's a lovely one on Vormir. To bathe in the light of the seven by sharing seven of our favorite nuggets and observations from Infinity War. You go first. Oh, number one. Peter's pop culture references. He's been doing this ever since he's been reintroduced into the Marvel CU. You will recall in Civil War when he figures out how to take down Ant-Man, who was Giant Man at the time. He was like, hey, have you guys seen Empire Strikes Back? This time, my favorite one was when he's like, have you guys seen that really old movie Alien? And they figure out how to get Maw out of his own ship. By punching a hole in it so that he goes out into space and gets frozen. I love when Tony's like, kids see more movies than you. I know. Number two, what a movie for the Chris Wars. Oh, Chris Wars into the mainstream. With Guys, the- we have a victor. At least we have a belt holder. Yes. 
Hemsworth has the belt right now in the Chris Wars. There was so much delightful meta Chris War acknowledgement and commentary in this movie, particularly between Pratt and Hemsworth. We got some of it with Evans, too. But when the Guardians of the Galaxy first find Thor and Quill says, how is this dude still alive? And Drax says, he's not a dude. You're a dude. This is a man. Hilarious. <laughs> and then Gamora says, it's like his muscles are made of kryptonite fibers. Quill's like, stop massaging his muscles. <laughs> My favorite was when Drax says, it's like a pirate had a baby with an angel. Yeah. <laughs> and again, there's that great moment when Quill asks what the Avengers are and Thor says, Earth's mightiest heroes. Mantis says, like Kevin Bacon? Mm-hmm. Thor coming in with the zinger. He may be on the team. I don't know. Just so many funny Thor lines. And then when they show up in Wakanda, finally, Cap says, new haircut. And I just want to say once again, short hair Thor for the win always. Wow. And Thor says, looks like you've copied my beard. (laughs) They can all have beards as far as I'm concerned. It's the best. And I think my favorite was when Quill, who's very salty about all the Thor love, says, who are you? And Peter Parker says, we're the Avengers, man. Mantis says, you're the ones Thor told us about. And Tony says, you know Thor? And Quill's like, yeah, tall guy, not that good looking, needed saving. (laughs) I just love it. It was genuinely really funny. Number three, Iron Man 2 Banner, who is having trouble getting it up. They're fighting Maw. I loved this. And call Obsidian on the streets of New York. And Wong and Doctor Strange are doing their thing. And Banner cannot change into the Hulk. And and Tony's like, where's your guy? (laughs) He goes, where's your guy? And then finally he says, dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. I love that. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) So good. Number four, what's your official vote here? Is Avengers Infinity War a prequel to The Leftovers or a sequel to The Leftovers? It's a prequel because it's based on Infinity Gauntlet, which came out in 91 and actually has all of these plot elements where 50% of like the population of the universe disappears. So many shades of The Leftovers in this, but particularly the stinger when the car all of a sudden crashes and there's no driver, the helicopter spinning in the air, no pilot. That stuff was just in the pilot of The Leftovers. I know. So what I'm saying is Parada and Lindelof ripped off the Infinity Gauntlet for this. (laughs) Number five. This is a great, great line. Dude, don't call us plucky. We don't know what it means. How do they not know what it means? Star-Lord is such he a beautiful idiot. what that means. Beautiful idiot. I, did you like how Thor lovingly referred to them as morons? Yes, it was great. Good bit. Number six. A lot of good food bits as well. There's yeah. a Ben and Jerry's bit and a New York Deli bit. Tony says, I swore off dairy, but then Ben and Jerry's named a flavor after me. So Dr. Strange says, Stark raving hazelnuts. <laughs> then he adds, bit chalky. And before this, before Tony is fraternizing with Doctor Strange and the wizards, Doctor Strange and Wong, they just want lunch. They were out to get lunch. Wong never has know, cash. Doesn't look like there's enough to snack on in the sanctum. And like you said, Wong, short on dough. And Doctor Strange says, seriously, you don't have any money? Wong says, attachment to the material is detachment from the spiritual, which is definitely what I'm going to use next time I don't have cash to give to you or any of my colleagues for coffee. Strange, I'll tell the guys at the deli. Maybe they'll make you a metaphysical ham and rye. Wong's digging in his pockets. Wait, wait, wait. I think I have 200. Strange says, dollars? Wong, rupees. And then Strange says, which is, which I didn't like because he would know. This guy's brilliant. He would know. He should know how to exchange rates. Come on. Wong says, a buck and a half. And then Strange sighs deeply and says, what do you want? Wong, 
right before chaos breaks out all around them. I wouldn't say no to a tuna melt. Number seven. So Peter Parker introduces himself to Doctor Strange. Hi, I'm Peter. And Doc Strange says, I'm Doctor Strange. Oh, we're using our made-up names. In that case, I'm Spider-Man. Great stuff. Though a little note for Spider-Man yeah. is, you know, he's a doctor and his last name is Strange. So just, it's just his, his name. Actual you title. Know? Yeah. He wasn't like, I'm the Sorcerer Supreme. Stevie Strange. Mal, today I lost more than you could know. But now is no time to mourn. Now is no time at all. Except the time to honor today's winner. Every episode, we're going to honor the person or idea that compelled us the most. And this week, we're awarding our champion's purse paid out in Eitri's creations to Thanos. I mean, he got all the stones, guys. Deleted half the universe. It's kind of hard to argue. His plan came off. Yes, he had to kill his daughter. Tough stuff. But my guy won. He's got that gauntlet. He's going to sleep with that thing on. He's going to shower with it on. I really think Thanos' greatest achievement is just overcoming the meme mockery. I would change my chin. First thing, reality stone. Let's get this thing smoothed out. Maybe he likes it. It's just weird. Things get stuck in those ridges. It evokes a certain kind of imagery. It does. Here's my contrarian argument. Sure. We can't say Thanos won just because he sucks, man. No one wants to root for Thanos. Like, yes, he won. I concede the point. Sure, yeah, he got all the stones. He snapped his fingers. He wiped out half of existence. But- What about all of Thor's delightful jokes? What about Thor's witty banter? What about his cute haircut? Did he lose? He's got his new eyes. He's got his new axe with the Groot handle. And you could even make a case for Dr. Strange because if he's really the the long con. Stronger case for Dr. Strange. The long con argument would just be that maybe Dr. Strange is actually playing Thanos and Thanos thinks he won and we all think he won right now, but he's really going to lose in the end. What a crazy man! What a crazy sitting there for that stinger. Like man, we're all sitting here for this, right? I miss our double stinger. I was like, this is whack that there is no double stinger. Where's my fucking double stinger? Give us a little Ant Man and the Wasp or something. All right, guys, we swore off dairy, but then Ben and Jerry's named a flavor after us. So onward we go. Hopefully, you had as much fun as we did today. You are as excited as we are for binge mode Harry Potter, which launches on June 11th. June 11th and for Kind of Thrones later this spring, and that you will join us again next time. Until then, remember, binge mode is like if a pirate had a baby with an angel. Tony Stark, I can't believe I had to explain this to you. Get some of the lubricant out of your nano suit spray it on the wrist, and then jerk that thing off. (laughs) Just ask Scarlet Witch and Viz to borrow their sheets. Yeah, there's some grease all over those sheets. Like, the fact that you're just trying to pull this thing off dry in the (laughs) desert of Titan, it's not going to happen, guys. Also, like, combined strength of Spider-Man and Iron Man, at least in the MCU, is probably like a 100-ton lift. These guys can't get the glove off? That's the only problem I have with this movie. Rip the glove off. Quill, shut the hell up. You can shoot him after. Today's binge mode was brought to you by Sonos. With the Sonos Home Theater, my husband's video game playing, my binge watching experience, it has been so much better. Love my Sonos, love the way the bass booms and the treble trebles. Sonos is offering the listeners of Binge Mode 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only. Oh. And cannot be combined 
with other discounts or promotions. Use the promo code BINGE10, capital B-I-N-G-E, one zero, at Sonos.com to receive this offer.